0: Hi, I'm Jessie, your host of the Jesse Williams podcast. I'm an entrepreneur and business mentor bringing you fun and thought-provoking conversations around money, business, and personal development. This podcast is for the go-getters and the dream chasers, for the ones who want to build the business of their dreams, optimize their mind, and improve their life. So if that's you, buckle in and let's send it. Hello, and welcome back to the podcast. I was just reflecting and I was like, I borderline feel like I need a new line because I can't even tell you the last podcast that I started without saying, "Hey guys, welcome back to the podcast. Hi, welcome back to the podcast. It's just it's just my line and I, I'm just going to accept it. It's how I want to start. So welcome to the podcast. Whether you are a new listener, whether you're a regular listener, um, I'm excited to be just like tuning in and having a conversation today. And I'm very, very excited about today's conversation because we're going to be talking things, visibility and attention. And I'm really going to speak to this from a business lens, but also I really invite you guys to be open-minded around where a lot of the topics that I'm going to speak to today actually really relate outside of business as well. And there's a lot of areas, especially within your personal life, um, specifically like career, friendships and different areas like that, where things like visibility and your ability to get and hold attention Actually, matter and have an influence and an impact on kind of like the relationships you have. Whether you're likely to get a promotion, whether people you know listen to you, respect you, um, you know, want to be around you—all of these things kind of really, really come into play. But a lot of the examples that I'm going to use are just going to be in a business lens. So I kind of wanted to open up this conversation because it's it's an interesting one where. Sometimes people can look at attention and particularly we have a very, very negative connotation to the words attention seeking, right? When we think about the words attention seeker, we have a really um, almost like negative reaction to that word and we think about that and we think that someone who's attention seeking is like bad or wrong or whatever words are going to come with that as well, whether it's like selfishness, self-centered, vain, etc. And I'm here to just shake things up and shift your perspective and really reduce any friction that you have to the words attention seeker, because for so long as you are being activated by someone who you deem as attention seeking, there's a part of you that isn't able to fully integrate and step into your own attention seeker, which means whether you realize it or whether you're conscious of it or not, you're somewhat going to be blocking uh, visibility and you're probably going to be blocking, um, you know, the people that like want to admire you and you're really dampening your magnetism. And then this leads to things like you not feeling seen, you not feeling chosen, you not feeling important, you not feeling significant, and you project blame onto everyone else. Like they just don't see me. They don't like make me feel important and things like that. Yet equally, you're not looking at where you're responsible for them not seeing or choosing you because you're not taking up space to be seen or putting yourself in a position to be chosen, right? So there's there's a lot where sometimes we actually, Perpetuate our own biggest wound. So, if you're someone who you have a wound or you have a story where a lot of the time you feel like you're not the chosen one, you feel like the least favorite in a group situation, you feel like you know, out of a group, you're never the one that's probably going to be hit on, um, you're never the one that gets the promotion. It feels like even if you do more work or you've been at the company longer, other people get promoted before you, whatever area it is, whether it's relationships, whether it's friendships, whether it's your career or your business, if you're someone where you have a wound around not feeling important, not feeling chosen, and in other words, you feel insignificant, This podcast is going to be really powerful because this is you getting to acknowledge where you're playing a part in you attracting or causing those things to actually happen. And it's interesting because sometimes people, especially coaches, they might coach from a very validating lens. And I think that's fine for a particular client, a time and a place. But if you're tuning into this podcast, I feel like you... You know me and I'm not going to be the validator. I'm not going to soothe you. I'm always, 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 always going to help you look at where you can take responsibility in every situation. And the reason that I do that is because if a coach, a friend, your mom, whatever, always soothes you when you don't feel good, it teaches you that in order for you to feel good about something you need someone outside of yourself to soothe you or you need to soothe yourself. In other words, you need to reframe a situation. Oh, you know what? They probably just didn't notice this. And you, you find yourself doing this internal dialogue where you reframe the situation to give the other person the most generous interpretation in order for you to feel good about yourself. So you soothe the situation by Rejigging what happened in your head in order to feel good. But what happens in that situation is you have no control and nothing actually changes. All you did was have an emotional response and then soothe yourself so you're no longer having an emotional response. So if you felt triggered, if you felt sad, if you felt uncomfortable, if you felt rejected, Now, you just don't feel as sad and comfortable or rejected. However, that person's behavior isn't going to change if nothing changes. So this is why a lot of the time in my coaching, in my mentorship, on my podcast, in my content, I don't speak from the validating lens of you are enough and you are significant because of course you are. Like of course you're enough, of course you're worthy, of course you're wanted, of course you're all those things but that also doesn't mean that people are just like naturally going to feel that and the reality of the situation is you can be worthy and someone can still not choose you. Um, So it's really looking at we can either be a victim to our situation and our circumstances or we can be the victor and that is being someone who is willing to Um, you know, take responsibility for the outcome. So that's really, really what we're looking at today when it comes to visibility, getting attention, holding attention, being liked and things like that. Where can we actually take responsibility to get the outcome that we want? So when we think about Again, I'm going to bring back into the words like attention seeking. We have such a negative connotation and maybe you've said this before or maybe you've heard someone else say this before of like, oh my God, they're just doing that to get attention. If I had a dollar for every time I've heard someone say that and I've even said that um, at a certain time in my life before as well, they're just doing that to get attention. And you know what? Maybe they are, but it's working because you're giving it to them right? Like how funny is that? Like we say things like, oh my gosh, like they're just doing that to get attention, but you're giving them attention and observing them wanting attention, which is just like so ironic. So it's like on, on one level, like it's working. um, And on the, the second level, it's looking at, so what if they are? Like what actually is the problem don't we all want attention don't we all want affection don't we all want love and praise and to be acknowledged and to feel seen like isn't that like so many people's biggest wound is like I don't feel seen and then someone does something in order to get attention or be seen and we shame them and we judge them it just doesn't make fucking sense right and this is where we look at even like from a generational trauma lens like you know we shut down a child that's being like too much or too inconsiderate or or, um, you know, taking up too much space or, um, you know, their presence is very, very demanding. So then they get a wound where they then quieten themselves down. And maybe you even experience this in childhood. You quieten yourself down. You be like the good girl or the boy. Um, you know, you don't be too obnoxious. You don't be the center of attention. But then you go throughout your whole life, never feeling fully seen, never feeling fully understood, always feeling not enough or too much, and you wonder why. So this is where it's like really normalizing. We need to do something about our relationship to the words attention seeking and the more we're able to hold that kind of language with a state of neutrality and rather than shaming it or judging it or making it wrong we can actually just be neutral towards it and be okay with it and even in some situations celebrate it the more we can do that for others naturally the more we're going to be able to do that for ourselves so if there's a part where you shame people who are the center of attention, who take up the spotlight, who do things to get attention. So long as you're shaming them, I can guarantee you that there is a part of you that is watering yourself down too. And you really get to look at where there's a mirror for that. And as much as that you want to do work on, you know, feeling safe to be seen and and things like that. You can't work on feeling safe being seen, safe taking up space without simultaneously doing work on not shaming other people who are doing the same and maybe doing it in a way that you don't approve of. We don't get to decide and we don't get to choose how people get attention and their desire for attention or, you know, acknowledgement from other people, right? You don't get to say, oh, you get to be seen in a circle with your, you know, dearest friends and you get to be vulnerable and like you get to open your heart and, you know, in a relationship, you can really let your partner see you, but God forbid you get on social media and like, demand to be the center of attention or god forbid you go to an event and like you dance wild and crazy or you do these things like you don't get to get attention like that you don't get to be seen like that you only get to be seen how i want how i like and within the scope of what makes me comfortable that's not fair right if you're gonna if you're gonna celebrate people and say that you um if you're someone who you empower people to be their fullest expression of themselves but then when people are their fullest expression you shame them like check yourself in that, like actually check yourself in that. So you you don't get to pick and choose when you support people being expressive. You either support people being their fullest expressive version or you don't. So looking at this, where, and maybe you even, if you want to do some self-inquiry work with this, I even recommend you even journaling about this, what ways in which people getting attention, being seen, being vulnerable, being their full expression, do I support and celebrate? And what versions of that do I criticize and judge? Even if it's a little bit, you're really then going to be able to start looking at certain situations and certain behaviors and certain people that you celebrate and the ones where, you know, you get triggered or you get activated or you shame and you judge. And that is your work to look at, okay, why not those things, right? And that's your own work to do. So when I think about someone who is, you know, attention seeking and we can shame and we can judge that person, but I somewhat celebrate them because if there's anything that I've learned throughout my life, it's that sometimes the biggest attention seekers are the ones who get ahead. And I also want to preface this by saying that like anything, like absolutely any trait or behavior, like um manipulation, like uh, greed, there's always high and low frequencies of things, right? Anger, there's a high and a low frequency of anger. We look at anger can be um, hurtful and explosive and, you know, nasty, but anger can also be like passion. And you think about one of the, you know, a big world issue that gets you really riled up and angry or, you know, like people being hurt might make you angry. So is anger bad or wrong or is anger used without the right context? context and boundaries wrong, right? So the same thing with when we look at being attention-seeking there can always be high and low frequencies of this expression. People can express, uh, you know, their inner attention seeker from a lens of insecurity, from a lens of actually feeling really inferior and needing to do get themselves in situations where they feel superior in order to get their power back. Like there can be a lot of things where someone is not in their power and the only way they get it is through getting attention. I'm not speaking about that. Because that's always somewhat going to coexist and that's the other person's work. And we're not concerned with the other person's work. We're concerned with yours. So what we want to be able to do is like you be able to catch when attention seeking is playing out in a high and low frequency Without judging regardless, just holding it in neutrality. If someone is feeling inferior or feeling powerless and the way they get their power back is through being attention seeking, that's not your work. That's yours. Just observe it from a state of neutrality. Like it gets to just be like, Oh, like, Oh, that person's feeling really powerless and that's the way that they feel better. Like, okay. But also we want to be able to hold that sometimes attention seeking can come from a very, very grounded and intentional place as well. And it can just be smart. And the people who are willing to flex being the center of attention or getting more attention than other people or being seen or being visible are often the ones that are going to get ahead. They're the ones that are going to get promoted. They're the ones that are going to get the partner, the relationship, the friendships, the, the clients, like whatever it may be. And we can be really angry about that and we can get salty around that and we can think that it's unfair that they're getting unfair amounts of attention. We can think that it's unfair that they're taking up more space than us or we can learn to play the fucking game. We can learn to master the art of seeking attention in a really clean and powerful way in order for ourselves to get ahead because someone's always going to have it. Like That's the bottom line. Someone's always going to have it. Is it going to be you? And there's going to be different layers and different iterations of this, of sometimes the first layer is, do you feel comfortable with it, right? Like we can talk about all of the the strategies and things in order for how for you to get attention, but there's no point you knowing how to get it if you actually aren't comfortable holding it. So the first lens is you checking how you actually feel being seen, whether you have like a block and things like that. And that's why one of my oldest masterclasses that that still to this day sells very, very well is my visibility masterclass, because that's really speaks about like the art of feeling safe to be seen online and things like that. But the first thing is like you need to feel safe in order for the eyes to be on you in the first place. And the next level of that is once we feel safe to have the eyes on us, we then want to be able to know, okay, cool. I feel safe having it. Like I, nothing comes up for me. I don't have... A confidence block. I don't have like a, there's no fear or resistance, but I just don't know how to get it. I don't know how to get people listening. So the level for you then is looking at, okay, how do I actually learn to master the art of being able to get attention in the first place? And this is something that why I love talking about these topics is there are two of my favorite things or, or ways for people to teach. One of my favorite ways for people to teach is They used to have a problem and they healed that themselves. And so they become their own biggest and best testimonial. And then they teach other people how to work through or navigate what they navigated. So a prime example for that. Back in the day, years ago, I was a food relationship coach and I helped a lot of clients who had a poor relationship with food or were binge eating and things like that. Why? Because I you know, had a background of body dysmorphia and binge eating disorder and things like that and I got through it. And so I really taught people, hey, I know what it feels like. I know what you're going through and know a lot of your experiences and I can help you get out of it. The other way is People teaching something where it's never been a problem for them. Because when we look at it, there's a reason it's never been a problem. Like, why? Like, this is just something that, like, they're born with. It's, it's, you get to look at if this has never been a problem for you, but it's a problem for a lot of other people. Why? Like, what is it that you're doing or you're nailing for that to never be a problem for you? And when I think about this kind of work and attention seeking, I would say this has never really been a big problem for me. As a little girl, I loved attention. I lap that shit up, okay? And we can joke that it's my Leo star sign and you know what, maybe it is a little bit, but like, I loved being the center of attention and that could come from anything from within my household, wanting my mum to give me the most attention as an example. It also shone through in school. Um, and like wanting a, a teacher to give me more attention, wanting a teacher to just like praise me and things like that. Like I was teachers fucking pet guys. Like I am talking from a very, very young age. Like I w- would often be the teacher's pet and and, you know, there's a, there's a couple, but the reason I was always teacher's pet was because I was always in situations where I would be seen and noticed and recognized from that teacher. And I knew how to do things in a way to influence people, um, in order to have a more positive response to me. So what that could look like is one, I would put my hand up and answer the fucking questions, okay? And this is so interesting because I remember in school, my biggest wound wasn't like, like necessarily not being able to take up space and things like that it was almost like the too much thing where I would want to answer every question and I would be like okay I can't put my hand up again like I was almost like that annoying kid and and I did have the level of restraint of like hey let someone else have a turn and things like that and that's the thing with attention seeking we there also needs to be clean integrations and we can't be ignorant of other people's experiences and things like that but this is something that I did very very well was I would make myself known and I would make myself seen and I would answer questions and I would put my hand up and things like that. Um, another prime example of, of how this could play out in you know your adult life, even let's just say someone works a corporate job and there's always team meetings, right? There's always team meetings and everyone's sitting around a boardroom. And every time that meeting goes down, there's three people that always put forward their ideas. They all, even if they get shut down and the boss says like, no, I don't like that. They're still putting ideas forward. They're still talking. They're still being seen. You, you see those people. No one's noticing the person in the corner of the boardroom. That's never fucking spoken. Like no one notices the mouse. They don't know your language, your articulation, your ideas. They don't see your innovation because you're not making your innovation known. So the one that's like, oh, well, I'll just be like quiet and I'll be the considerate one and I'll listen. That's great. You get to be that. But don't be surprised when you don't get the promotion. Like don't be surprised when you don't get the attention because honestly, people forget you're fucking there. Like And that sounds so savage, but it's actually true. Another example where I've noticed this is in masterminds. Whenever I've been in masterminds, I have been, I'm, I'll even speak about like my, my, my mastermind experiences recently where like I'm a participant in the mastermind. There are people in that mastermind, and the ones that I get really drawn and attracted to are the ones who I hear speak, the ones who get hot seat coaching. Does that mean that I don't like the ones that play fly on the wall? No. Like honestly, every person in that mastermind is like incredible and beautiful. But over a duration of a few months, I followed some of the people that often got hot seat coaching from the mentor, often plugged into Voxer, often asked questions. And I didn't follow the people that never got coaching, didn't show up to calls or didn't plug into Voxer. Why? Is it because I don't like them? No. It's because I don't know them. There's nothing for me to get drawn to. There's nothing for me to bond over. There's nothing for me to get magnetized by because I'm not hearing them speak. I don't, I'm not learning who they are as a person. I don't know what they like. I don't know what they don't like. I don't know what they're going through in business. I don't know how they run their business. Why? Because they never speak. And again, that's not wrong. Like, I just want to say, like, if you're in a mastermind, You get to be the fly on the wall and you it it doesn't mean that if you're the fly on the wall in a mastermind you can't get attention in other areas. That's not what I'm saying. But it's looking at if this happens across the board. Like is this a pattern? You might be very, very quiet in masterminds, but you're very, very assertive on social media or in, you know, your personal life or whatever. So it's a whole different story, but it's considering, is this a pattern for you? Are you the one that's always like the, oh, I'll just be a fly on a wall in a mastermind and also like, I won't say anything that rocks the boat in my content. And if this is a pattern and if you're the one who who doesn't speak and, you, and you're never really showing up. No one's getting magnetized to you because no one's bonding over you because no one has any idea who the fuck you are, what you value and what you're about. So this is really looking at, and and I invite you guys to actually start reflecting on where am I wanting XYZ result, but I'm not making myself known. I'm not building credibility from people. I'm not allowing people to see my personality, my heart, my energy, because no one even borderline knows I fucking exist. And like, they forget about me. And even months ago, I remember uh, this would be over six months ago, also being part of a mastermind. And we got to the end of the mastermind and. Someone on the last day was like, "Hey, like, um, it's been amazing." And like, honestly, I forgot they were in there. Like, I forgot they were in there because I don't think they posted one Voxer the whole entire time. And again, is that wrong? No, but did, was I drawn to that person? No. Like, I actually forgot they were in there because they didn't take up space. So this is where you actually just get to look at. You can't complain about the results you're not getting for the visibility that you're not creating for yourself. If you are expecting other people to create opportunities for you to see you, but you're not allowing yourself to be seen, you've got to take some responsibility for that. So again, if it's, um, friendships, if it's social situations, if it's at your, you know, uh, with your employer, if it's with your business, are you allowing yourself to be visible? Are you allowing yourself to be seen? Are you putting your ideas, your vision, your perspectives forward? Um, are you demanding that you get noticed because people have to turn and listen when you fucking speak? Okay. So start learning to actually utilize your voice more and actually have the conviction in your energy and your frequency behind that. And you're probably going to get a little bit more attention. So I'm gonna kind of like leave that there because I really want you guys to just like sit and ponder on these things. Like, one, where you're not getting a result but you're contributing to that, and two, where you still have a negative connotation to the word attention seeker and you're still in the frequency of shaming and judging people for wanting attention when what they're doing is probably low-key unconsciously what you want for yourself. You just don't allow yourself because you're still shaming that part of yourself. Really looking at those sort of areas. If this is something and a topic that really interests you and you're just like, oh my God, like this feels like me. They're my biggest wounds. That's the thing I want to work through. I do have a program currently enrolling. We are pre, pre, pre-sale um, and that is called Attention Seeker. So on brand. Um, and that's going to be run in February. That's going going to be, yeah, a really, really potent course with lots of transmissions and drops around how you can navigate your... you know, your inner attention seeker archetype so that you're the one who stands out. So you're the one that gets noticed. So you're the one that gets paid and promoted. So whether you are a business owner, whether you are wanting to excel in your career or whatever, it doesn't matter. You don't have to have a business to do this course. You really can do this program. And this is going to activate so much of your inner confidence. It's going to activate your inner charisma. It's going to enhance your visibility. This is the program that gets people listening to you and liking you and therefore buying, promoting or wanting to be friends with you. Um, it's going to be a very, very potent course. So that again, pre, pre, pre-sale, I'm going to put the link for that in the show notes for you guys. So if you want to get inside, I highly recommend you do. And if you do join come over, send me a DM and like, let me know. And maybe even let me know that you really joined after listening to the podcast and you were like, I, I listened to the, your episode and I fucking need this shit. And here I am and I'm in um, and I can just totally celebrate you in that. And we're going to have so much fun in that offer. Like I'm actually really excited, like to be doing something, you know, it, it feels really cool to be doing something where for a lot of people it's like edgy and they reject that word and, and they would never want to launch something called attention seeker because that sounds bad. And I'm like, no, we're all going to be attention-seeking bitches up in this. Yeah, we're all going to make some money. We're all going to get paid. We're all going to get promoted. We're all going to get engaged, married, whatever. And speaking of, if you guys don't know, I eloped over the weekend. Um, by the time you're listening to this, it would have been a couple of weeks prior, but I eloped. I'm now Mrs. Ledland. So it's the Jesse Williams podcast, but hosted by your, your one and only Jesse Ledland. I'm now... I'm now wifey material. So that's my current life update. I might even do a podcast episode on that. Um, might even have Oscar back for a relationship episode. Who knows? But I'm just like living my bestest life and it, it's a good time. So again, I, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Do the little prompt exercise that I mentioned to you. Join Attention Seeker, get your asses in there. And like, even if you're someone where you feel like you're kind of on this level, but you just want to like take it next fucking level, You also get to do that too. See you in the next episode, guys. Bye.